The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Let's dive by uh, right back into this text with this wonderful topic of truth about Jesus, the way of escape. You know, when you go to camp or uh, perhaps a revival meeting, and I'm in a revival meeting many weeks of the year, often you hear what we might call get right with God messages, and they're needed. I preach some of those because it is wonderfully true that when we've blown it, when we've stumbled, when we've ignored our provision and made a mess, we can get honest. And when you get honest... Without making excuses, when you genuinely own it, then the blood of Jesus comes rushing in like a tsunami and cleans you all up every time. That's a marvelous truth. But what we're dealing with yesterday and today is not get right with God truth, it is stay right with God truth. Now I'm not talking about sinless perfectionism, I am talking about a sinless provision. His name is Jesus And yes, he is perfect. And when we access him by faith, we experience his victorious life. What's sadly imperfect is our access, our faith response. We don't always choose him. We don't always take him. But when we do, we experience him. And I will tell you that when you actually do take him, you will... Even over the winter break, you don't have to have a slump. When you actually learn to take Jesus, you will know what it is to go from being regularly defeated, surprised by victory, to being regularly victorious, surprised by defeat. So let's look at our text again. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And we've noted that that is the idea of the way of escape. Yesterday, we looked at Jesus, the way of escape over the world in the flesh. And today, let's look at Jesus, the way of escape over the enemy. Now, we're going to pray. Let me encourage you to pray with me. Ask the Spirit to open your eyes. So the truth can sink in and make a difference. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of this chapel hour. Thank you again for what you're doing in this place. And Lord, we just thank you for the amazing truth of this text. Now, Spirit of the living God, would you be our teacher? Open our eyes. And Lord, I pray that we would see the Grand Canyon reality of truth that is connected to these words. And Lord, in that illumination, convince us. Lord, that we might respond in genuine surrender and faith. And so, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus to protect us from the attack of the evil one who certainly doesn't want us to understand what we're about to dive into. And so, Lord Jesus, I again claim our position in you on the throne far above the enemy. And in your name that is above all names, I exercise your authority over any powers of darkness that would seek to hinder and trust you that that not be allowed. Lord, breathe on us. Meet with us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in the 1990s, God began to awaken me to the futility of the flesh and the necessity of the Spirit. And the truth of the power of the Spirit came alive. That was a wonderful help. But it was 1999 when God opened my eyes to the 
person of Jesus living in me. The truth of Galatians 2.20 just exploded, and it was wonderful. It really was. And uh, when I accessed him by faith, it was a wonderful experience. Uh, sad to say, there were times when I did not make those choices, but when I did, there was an experience of Jesus that was on a whole new level for me in my own personal experience. And uh, I learned that when I took Jesus, he is the victorious life. And when I applied the truth that we talked about yesterday, it worked. About two-thirds of the time. Now, don't get me wrong. Two-thirds was way better than before. But I was puzzled. Why, when I was applying what we talked about yesterday, Jesus to deal with the world in the flesh, was it seemingly not working in certain scenarios? The answer is because it's not every temptation approaches in the physical realm. Not every approach is a world flesh arena issue. There's a whole nother realm. Yesterday we looked at temptation that approaches in the physical realm. Today we're going to look at temptation that approaches in the spiritual realm. That realm that is not seen. You're tempted, but you can't see where it's coming from. You can't hear where it's coming from. It's unseen. It's not in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual realm or the realm of spirits, we might say. In other words, these are direct attacks from the enemy right into your soul. Primarily your mind and or your emotions. The Bible refers to this in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16 as fiery darts. That is literally flaming arrows. They get shot in and all of a sudden there's the, uh, you're aflame with this temptation. For example... Have you ever found yourself suddenly in a bad mood? I asked that in one church and everybody looked at a certain person. <laughs> I wish I'd have had that one on video. But you know, sometimes you just find yourself all discouraged and depressed. And if you stop and think about it, nothing bad happened. So where did that come from? See, that's a flaming arrow. This is the unseen realm. Or how about spiritual dullness? Maybe you're, you know, you're trying to get up in the morning, read your Bible and pray and, and so forth, but it's just, you know, it's, it's just dull. And maybe it's been that way for several days and you're wondering what's going on. And, and perhaps you even ask the Lord, Lord, you know, would you search my heart? Is there a sin issue? Why this dullness? Now, if you ask the Lord to search your heart, if there's a sin issue, if there is one, he will show you immediately. He'll let you know. But if you pray that and nothing comes to mind, it's not a sin issue. It's a flaming arrow. It's a deception from the enemy to get you off course. How about when you're sitting in class listening to the lecture, actually focused, <laughs> or when you're in your dorm room or maybe at the library and you're studying and you're, you're concentrating, and all of a sudden, seemingly out of the blue, a whole series of perhaps wicked thoughts come rolling across your brain and you're thinking, good night, where did that come from? Well... Those are these flaming arrows to try to knock you down. So what is the provision of deliverance? Obviously, the answer is in Jesus. Yesterday, in the world flesh arena, it's Jesus in you. But today, the specific truth is you in Jesus. You see, Jesus is in us to impart to us his divine ability to counteract and overcome the world and the flesh. But you are in Jesus 
to access and exercise his divine authority over the enemy. Now this is spelled out for us in some wonderful detail in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. And in Ephesians 1 19, the, uh, the scripture, I'll just summarize it, uh, uh, speaks of God displaying his mighty power when he raised Christ from the dead and set him, Jesus, at his own right hand. That's the throne. That's authority. And then it says, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. But chapter 2 goes on to say, and you. We often miss the connection. And verse 6 spells it out in chapter 2 of Ephesians. He's raised us up together. Remember chapter 1, he raised Jesus. But now it says raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Now, maybe you've heard preachers use the phrase, the heavenlies. That's coming from that phrase, in heavenly places. It's very interesting to me that that phrase used throughout this book of Ephesians, in chapter 6, when it does deal with the enemy and spells out the host of darkness, talks about spiritual host of wickedness in high places. That's the same phrase. In other words, it's another realm. It's the spiritual realm. And in that realm, we have pictured in Ephesians, a Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality and power. In other words, it's in that same realm, but Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, far above. And chapter 2 says, you're in him. Because it goes on to say, he's raised us up together and made us sit together in these heavenly places in Christ. And as we noted yesterday, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, the Spirit of God baptized you, he immersed you, he placed you into Christ, which means from that day forward, you're in him. And he's on the throne, which means you're there. Now, this is not figurative language. It is literal. It's just that what we're dealing with is spiritual, not physical. And the spiritual realm does not know the geographical boundaries that we know in the physical realm. Physically, you're seated right here in Pensacola, Florida. But for every person in this room this morning, if you're saved, doesn't matter how long you've been saved, doesn't matter how much you've grown in the Lord, it doesn't matter how long you've been right with God or whether or not you are right with God. If you're saved... In the spirit dimension, in the spirit realm, you're there. You are in Christ. He's on the throne, far above the enemy, which means you're there too. So missionary Ruth Paxson, missionary to China, 1930s, puts it this way. In Christ, we are as far above the power of Satan as Christ is. Now, friends, that's a marvelous truth. It's a glorious truth. And therefore, we can, by faith, access what we might call the principle of overruling. Yesterday, the principle of overcoming the world and the flesh. But here, the principle of overruling the enemy. Because the same book of Ephesians, against the chapter 6, talks about the armor, which is all really different aspects of Jesus. And uh, mentions that in verse 16, we can lift up that shield of faith, wherewith we shall be able to quench. That word means to extinguish, not just deflect, but put out, counterattack, and overrule those flaming arrows. Again, our responsibility is to appropriate, to take the reality of us in Jesus and exercise his divine authority over the enemy where we take and thus claim our protection in Christ at the throne and exercise delegated authority to extinguish the flaming arrows. You see, at the cross, 
Satan's head was bruised, Genesis 3, 15. He was judged, John 16, 11. He was cast out, John 12, 31 and 32. And we could go on. The point is, at the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, he won the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Satan was defeated. He was dealt a defeating blow. Now that is going to be fully played out in the book of Revelation. But we need to understand something. In the spiritual realm right now, Satan is at a disadvantage. Because in the spiritual realm, he is totally defeated. Now, when you and I cave into our flesh and walk in the flesh, we place ourselves under a defeated foe. What a tragedy. But when you walk in the spirit, you can move beyond walking in the spirit to what we might call warring from the throne and exercising Christ's divine authority over the enemy. See, it's his authority, but we have to exercise it. In fact, the imagery at the end of Ephesians chapter 1 is that Jesus is the head and we are the body. So as the head, it's his authority, but the body has to exercise his authority. That's where our responsibility of faith comes into play. Now, let me ask you a question. Can a body function without a head? It's not a trick question. And you can talk to me. Can a body function without a head? No, absolutely not. I've seen a few chickens try. It is amazing. You know, the head gets chopped off and the body still runs around for a little while. But it does eventually fall. So a body cannot function without a head. Well, follow-up question. Can a head function without a body? No. You see... Jesus is the head, we're the body. Now, God could have set this up however he wanted to. He's sovereign, but in his sovereign wisdom, this is the imagery he gives us. We're the body. As the body, we cannot function without him as the head. He as the head has chosen in the areas of faith not to function without us as the body. And that's where our responsibility to exercise his divine authority comes into play. It's like... A police officer in uniform with his badge and he's standing at an intersection and he's directing traffic and here comes an 18-wheeler that physically could flatten him and he goes like this now obviously he doesn't have the human power to stop that truck but because of that badge he has delegated power authority to stop that truck and in similar fashion, if you're saved, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter how spiritually mature you are. If you are right with God, then the reality is when you submit yourself to God, that is when you grab a hold of the truth we're talking about, you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, on our own, we're no match. We'll get flattened, but we're not on our own. And when you grab a hold of the fact that you are in Christ as he is in you and you claim that provision in Jesus, you submit yourself therefore to God. You can resist the devil and he not only has to stop, he's got to flee the other way. So how does this play out in real life? Well, let's suppose you wake up one morning 
And uh, you spend some time with the Lord and uh, you read your Bible and God speaks to you. And I'm going to tell you, when, God, when the God of heaven speaks to you, it's just a glorious thing. And uh, uh, you talk to God, you have that wonderful time and you go on to your classes and so on. And suppose sometime later in the day, all of a sudden it hits you. You know, I just feel so discouraged. Okay, stop and ask yourself, did anything occur in the physical realm that could tempt you to discouragement? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I just flunked my midterm. <laughs> Well, if that's the case, go back to yesterday's truth and apply that. But if there's nothing that happened in the physical realm that would tempt you to discouragement, then recognize this is all a fake. You talk about fake news. <laughs> this is a fake. This is the enemy throwing that flaming arrow. And you, once you become cognizant of that, can say, wait a second. I claim my position in Jesus. In other words, you're taking the truth that you're in him. You're, you're, you're depending on it. I, I, I'm taking, I, I claim my position in Jesus, and I reject that. You're acting on it. In other words, you've just lifted up the shield of faith. And the moment you do, that fiery dart is extinguished. It's put out, and there will be a discernible lift in your spirit. Which means you pegged it right. And you just experience Jesus. And that discouragement vanishes away. How about the spiritual dullness? I had two guys tell me after a Sunday night service one time in Pennsylvania that uh, they said, oh, preacher, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I've been talking to my friend. Both of us are having the same problem. You know, yeah, you know we're, we're reading our Bible. You know, we're, we're going through the motions. But for days, it's just been dull. I said, well, have you asked the Lord to search your heart, see if there's any sin issue? Yeah, yeah, we've done that, but nothing comes to mind. I said, oh, guys, this is not a sin issue then. This is a spiritual attack. It's an attack in the spiritual realm. And I began to explain to them what we're talking about now. Both of those guys went home and applied the truth and were immediately set free. Both of them publicly gave testimony at the end of that week, uh, publicly in their church, that they had applied this truth and uh, rejected Satan's attack and that immediately things were different and that every morning that week they reveled that's their word in their time with God well bless the Lord this is real very real how about the wrong thoughts I had a guy tell me in Wyoming one time he said he said you know you were you were preaching he says right in the middle of the message he said I, I, I wanted to hear every word and he said suddenly these vile thoughts came rolling across my brain he looked at me and said do you think that could have been from the devil well, no, stop and think. He's not at a crowded part of the beach. He's in church. We're in the middle of the sermon, and he wants to listen. Obviously, that is a spiritual attack. And friends, when that happens, when that hits you, when all of a sudden these, these thoughts come rolling across your brain, you're thinking, where did that come from? Well, recognize it's not in the physical realm. It's the spiritual realm, and you have that privilege of just taking Jesus. I claim my position in Jesus. I reject this. Again, it's not a mantra of words. It's a look of faith. And the moment you do, you experience Jesus and his power to counterattack, extinguish, and to overrule the enemy. So we have divine ability, Christ in us, to deal with the down here. We have divine authority, us in Christ, to deal with what we might say the up there. But you know there's a third approach of temptation sort of, in that sometimes temptation, temptation approaches with combined causes. Both physical realm and spiritual realms simultaneously. Where the powers of darkness take something in the physical realm and then they magnify it. 
Remember, they're deceivers. They distort it and they hone in on you to pull you down off that position of faith in Christ so that you are rendered ineffective against what they think is their turf. And I will tell you that what we just went over in the last 10 minutes, a lot of Christians do not know. You know why? Because Satan doesn't want them to know it. But you grab a hold of this and this is real. But when there's the combined cause, it works like this. Maybe, maybe somebody, maybe a roommate or somebody just, you know, they make a comment to you and it's, it kind of rubs you wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a little abrasive, but, it, but, but it's really not a big deal. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of just a little bump in the road. But what if the powers of darkness put a magnifying glass, as it were, over that bump in the road? So you don't see it as a bump in the road offense. You see it as a mountain-sized offense. It's all distorted. And if you're not discerning and you don't catch what happens and you get carnal and get in the flesh, it might draw all of the fury that a mountain-sized offense could draw out of you. And everybody else is thinking, it wasn't that big a deal. What's the matter with you? I remember one time I was, uh, I was ticked off. <laughs> I was mad. And, oh, man, I was spitting mad. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I remember I was just all worked up. And I remember I stopped and asked myself, okay, what am I mad about? And when I realized what it was, it was just a little deal. I thought, oh, man, I just fell prey to distortion. And I preach on this stuff. <laughs> but we need to recognize it. You see, that distortion, that excessiveness, that kind of thing is at the bottom of a lot of church splits. How about... This kind of distortion, when there's an excessive pull, excessiveness is a sign of the enemy. How about an inordinate attraction, an inordinate attraction, that's the key word there, inordinate, uh, towards someone of the opposite gender. Now let me just say this, normal attraction is normal. <laughs> to be attracted to the opposite gender, I hope you know this, in our weird world today, is normal. <laughs> But let's say there's this inordinate, excessive attraction to someone of the opposite gender, and here you are single, and they're married. So obviously this is not appropriate. But there's this excessive attraction. And if you stopped and thought about it, they're really not all that attractive. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but do you know this, when it's not discerned, causes tragedies I could tell you stories from the last 12 months that are just heartbreaking and what I just described is exactly what happened and marriages are just having to just deal with all this, this all the consequence and so on God wants us to be discerning excessiveness sign of the enemy that distortion that magnification Sometimes it's excessive distraction. I mean, distractions come. We live in a fallen world. I, I get that. But when, uh, when distractions are excessive, sometimes the enemy's behind it. I remember years ago, uh, my son and I, back when he was maybe six or seven, went into a barber shop. Now, those of us who travel as evangelists, we are always at risk because most time we walk into a barber shop, we've never been there before. So you don't know if it's going to be good or not. So when, when, uh, when my son was uh, old enough, I'd put him in the chair first. <laughs> And if it wasn't good, we'd leave. <laughs> in fact, one time it was so bad, I had to take him to another barbershop to get it fixed. But he quickly figured it out, and that was the end of that short-term dara. <laughs> but I remember one time we walked into a barbershop, and uh, 
they had a TV hanging on the wall. And, you know, normally in a barber shop, you know, it's, it's, it's a fishing show or, a, you know, a ball game or something like that. Well, I got John in the chair. I, uh, I needed to study. I was getting ready to go to Asia the next day on a long trip. And uh, certain things I wanted to, to, to study. I didn't want to have to bring certain books. Uh, so I, I thought, well, when he's in the chair, I'll be studying. So I got him going. And uh, I started studying. And then uh, I shifted my weight. And there on that screen, on that TV hanging on the wall, was wickedness. I mean, it was vile. Thankfully, uh, you know, my son's chair was faced out the window. He was just six or seven. And I remember just saying, oh, Lord, your purity. So what we talked about yesterday. And God freed me to get back to my notes. Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of antsy. As you see, I kind of move around a little bit. And so uh, I shifted my weight again, not thinking about it. And there it is again. Ah, uh, well, after about the fifth time, I thought, this is a pain in the neck. Because every time it breaks your concentration, now you got to figure out where I was. Now, I was taking Jesus and God was giving victory to get back to where I was. But, you know, I'm losing time. And I got to thinking, I wonder, obviously we got something in the physical realm, there's a TV over here, but I wonder if there's something going on in the spiritual realm as to why that's playing, because I've never had that happen before or since in a barbershop. And I just learned the truth that we're talking about today. So in my heart, not out loud, you know, there's people sitting there, you know, <laughs> but in my heart, I said, Lord, if Satan is behind why that's on right now, I claim my position in you. See, that's taking and I exercise your authority over the powers of darkness behind that. That's acting on it. But just in my heart, that's what I said. And at that moment, the lead barber uh, over in another chair, he had his razor and he's going up uh, the back of a guy's neck. And the moment I exercised the Lord's authority, his arms began to visibly tremble and he, he tremble and he pulled that shaver back off of that guy's neck. Now, I never did check the back of that guy's head, but uh, uh, the, the barber, uh, trembling, pulled away and he set the, the shaver down on the counter and he grabbed the remote control and he changed the channel to something decent and I wanted to shout hallelujah because God just stepped in. You see, this is real. It's very real. And God has given us the provision in Jesus, Jesus in us, to deal with the down here, us in Jesus, to deal with that spiritual realm. So a couple of takeaways. We've drawn on a lot of truth in the New Testament, seeking to put those dots together, but let's go back to our text for a few takeaways. This way of escaping Jesus is time-sensitive. Notice what it says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above or beyond the trade. Let me ask you a question. Oh, sorry about that. Have you ever felt tempted above that you're able? In other words, have you ever been tempted and it just seems so overwhelming, it seems like you don't have a choice? Well, if we're honest, I mean, we're hesitant to be honest because the text just said otherwise, but it seems experientially, yeah, it seems like there's times when the, the temptation is overwhelming. It seems like we don't have a choice. What's going on? Well, let's read the rest of the verse. But will with the temptation, key phrase, also make the way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, this is time sensitive. When does God make the escape ramp? It's with the temptation. That's the crisis moment. That's when there's that window of opportunity. And if you pass it up, you're in trouble. See, the temptation hits us. And uh, the flesh where that old sin master still hangs around, even though we're severed from him. He says, go for it. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no, you don't want to do that. And there's this, this little back and forth, Galatians 5, 17. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And, you know, maybe I will. Oh, no, I shouldn't do that. And if you're not careful, within just moments, you can find yourself following after the temptation. 
which means you just entered the temptation in your heart, which means you just passed the way of escape. But it may be such that you haven't played out the sin yet. That's when it's going to seem overwhelming. That's when it's going to seem like, oh man, I just don't have a choice. It's because when we did have a choice, we made the wrong choice. At that point, yes, you can get right with God, but that's not the, that's, that's get right with God versus stay right with God. So the bottom line is, it's time sensitive. Somebody asked, well, how much time do you have? I was preaching with Jim Shetler last year at a conference, and he brought this up. And uh, he said that he heard an older gentleman years ago say, you got four seconds. Now, I don't know where he got that from, but you know, I think he's about right. Because you have enough time, because the text says what it says. We have enough time that when you become cognizant to what's going on, to love Jesus by choosing him, and the moment you do, you experience him as the escape. So time sensitive. Learn to take Jesus immediately. Learn to love Jesus I don't know why I missed this when I was your age. I was all about the rituals. Give me the list, the do's, the don'ts. And the don'ts kept getting longer. Now don't get me wrong. There's things we should do and things we should don't do. (laughs) But that's not it. It's the relationship with the person. It's loving him, choosing him. So choose him right away. Time sensitive. Not only that, the way of escape is preventative. Now this was life changing for me. It says escape. You see, this is the way out. So here's why this is so important. That means the way of escape is a matter of prevention, not correction. You see, it's a matter of deliverance, not confession. Now let me ask you something, young people. Forgive me, men and women, adults. Okay. Uh, The truth of the matter is, we often view temptation as sin. But let me ask you, is temptation itself sin? It is not The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. That's why he said, pray that you don't enter into temptation, which means that temptation is not sin. It only becomes sin if you enter into it. So why is that important? That means when you're tempted, you have not sinned. That those thoughts went flying across your brain. That is not sin. It only becomes sin if you follow after it. So that means you have the, prob- uh, the privilege of taking Jesus as the way of escape. So here's my point. If you're tempted, but you've not yet entered into that temptation, if you confess it, oh, how could that even be in my mind? God, forgive me. The moment you confess it, you just entered the temptation. Because by confessing it, you're saying that was me when it wasn't you. You just owned it. You just entered the temptation very deceitfully. I used to do this all the time. I had such an oversensitive conscience. It was pathetic. Uh, and, uh, you know, all I did all day long was confess. And you're pummeled by the end of the day. But when, wait a second. Temptation itself is not sin. Don't confess it. Reject it. If you confess it, you're saying that's me when it wasn't you. Reject it saying, wait a second, that's not me. It doesn't matter if it's coming from the world arena, the flesh arena, or the devil. It's not you. Because the real you is the new man created after God in righteousness and true holiness. And that's the part of you where the Holy Spirit moved in. And the real you wants Jesus every time. So even though we feel that pull, that's that old master of indwelling sin we got severed from when we were placed into Christ and died to sin. The real you wants Jesus. And you have that privilege of saying, that is not me. I take Jesus and you're free. That's how this works. And not only that, the way of escape is trustworthy. 
The text says God is faithful. Bless the Lord. Even in 2023, even with modern technology, God's not thrown by any of this. Jesus knows how to navigate our world. God is faithful. And he provides Jesus as the way of escape. And he is trustworthy in his availability and thus trustworthy in his dependability. So may we learn to love Jesus. Ah, oh, to just fall in love with Jesus so that when we're tempted, we say, Jesus! Again, not a mantra of words, but that choice of faith, that look of trust. Jesus! And as you take Jesus, there's that supernatural lift that you will sense in your spirit. And you just experience Jesus, the way of escape. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.